You're listening to Ask Alice, hosted by Alice Chernock, a licensed professional counselor in Birmingham, Alabama. Ask Alice is part of the Rooted Network family of podcasts. And for more grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated resources, be sure to find Rooted on the web at www.rootedministry.com. Rooted friends, it's great to be back with you again today. I'm Alice Chernock, a licensed professional counselor, but today I'm coming to you as just Alice the mom. Um, Maybe the human would be a better way to put it because I think that in this world right now, there's so much chaos and crazy that it doesn't matter what profession you're in or how much training you have in controlling emotions or dealing with medicine or anything like that. I think all of us are dealing with corona in one way or another. And I think that I would love just to speak with you and be with you for the next few minutes as just a regular person. Um, I got to be honest, when all of this started about a week and a half ago, I was really in a dark place. Um, It was a really hard and scary time for me just not knowing what to do. And the thought of my kids being home and um, being in charge of their education and disappointing things that we had looked forward to, whether it was vacations that we were going to take for spring break or um, baseball seasons that we were going to have, things like that that may just sound trivial and trite, but they were they were my world, you know, and I think a lot of us were there and, and are still dealing with some of that disappointment. So, When I did that, I remember the exact date. It was March 16th. I wasn't in the mood for anything real heavy and serious. Um, And so sometimes when I'm I'm in that headspace, I like to pull out my old, old copy of Jesus Calling. I think it's a good classic. They're short little devotionals, and they just kind of give you good nuggets to reframe your thoughts. So go back, if you have Jesus Calling, and look at March 16th. All right, because March 16th was a turning point for me when I read this. She talks about anxiety and, you know, it's it's technically Jesus talking to us. And he talks about the fear that we have for the future. And she used a line in her writing and it says this. It says, lighten up. This is Jesus talking now. Lighten up and laugh with me. Lighten up and laugh with me. And it was in that moment that it struck me that we have the option to either live our lives in pure fear, cowards, cowering in the corner, not sure what's going to happen next, which we don't, or we can have the choice to lighten up and laugh with me. And that was a really big moment for me. And in that time of learning to choose joy instead I decided that I would send a text out to my network of people. And this text included all kinds of people from college roommates to current coworkers to just really good friends to baseball moms. And I mean, you name it. I just sent out a a big blanket text and I said, all right, y'all, in the next few days, I want you to come up with what you would consider your silver linings to this whole thing. What are your silver linings? And so, y'all, it has been so encouraging for my soul 
over the last two weeks to just get random texts from people at different times. I will wake up to a text. I will go to bed with a text. I can get these texts all the time. And just person after person can come up with another silver lining to all of this that's going on. It's been so encouraging to me. So I want to structure this episode of Ask Alice just a little bit differently. All right. Now, usually with this episode, I will have several questions that people have emailed to me, and then I'll take a few minutes answering the questions. Doing it a little bit differently this way. So this was the time where I got to ask the question of what are the silver linings? And so it's really neat to have gotten the responses that I have back. Um, And so I want to take a few minutes and just give you a little bit of a glimpse into the the highlight that I have had over the last few weeks. Um, And I I really am going to challenge us to do the same as we are going through this time of uncertainty to keep looking for those silver linings. Now, the most overwhelming response to all of these emails and texts that I've received has been the fluctuation of emotions that everyone is feeling. And I think that it's interesting to note that if you're having those days where one day you're fine and in three minutes later you're in a puddle on the floor crying over anything random, you're normal, all right? I think that there are so many of us that are out there that We are just not prepared for some of the emotions that hit and when they hit, all right? But the thing is that I recognize that any time we turn on um, any kind of news show or uh, any emails on uh, news and things that are going on in the world, to me, we have that fear piece. We have that covered, you know? I mean, like, we could pretty much, anytime we want to, find anything that's really going to freak us out, all right? So I want us to focus in on the peace piece, all right? You like that? The peace piece? But I'm serious about that. I want us to spend some time thinking about ways that we can really relish in the peace that God has given us in those silver linings. So the last few days, I've kind of camped out in in Exodus, which is one of my all-time favorite books of the Bible. And I've really kind of gone back to the, the time when the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt. So he brings them out of slavery. They're in captivity. They are treated horribly while they are in Egypt. He brings them out. And then as they are escaping Egypt, they hit the Red Sea. All right. So now the the Israelites are faced in front of them with the Red Sea, which is enormous and it's not going anywhere. And then behind them, they have the Egyptians who were really mad at themselves for letting the people go and are saying, okay, I'm coming back for you. So the Israelites are in a place where they are, they're kind of screwed, you know? I mean, like, they don't have anywhere to go. The Egyptians are coming in behind them, and they've got the Red Sea in front of them. And they are stuck in this position that they have absolutely nowhere to go, all right? So then the story progresses as we know that the Lord parts the Red Sea and he allows the Israelites to pass and go over to safety. He allows the Egyptians to be lost in the sea. So it's, hey, yay, happy story, la la la. Well, the Israelites are then taken to a place of wilderness, all right? And I think that that's where I've really been struck over the last few days is what happened when the the Israelites got into the 
into that wilderness place. So I'm going to read you real quickly from Exodus 16 2. And it says, And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, What would we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pot meat pots and ate bread to the full? For you to have brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. All right. So it's kind of a random piece, but I love that because I think that that's sort of where we are too. The Israelites very quickly forgot all the things that the Lord had done for them, how he had rescued them from captivity, how he had parted the Red Sea. And now they're going through a trial and it's hard and it hurts. And their immediate response was not, okay, Lord, I'm going to remember that you have always been there for me, that you have always taken care of me. Their response was, well, we should just go back to Egypt. We should go back to slavery. That was better than this life that we're living in now. And I think that for me, I've been sort of convicted about the life of, and I'm using quotation marks, the life of slavery that I was in prior to the last two weeks. And I think that in a lot of ways, and you may be the same, but I was really a slave to my former life. I was a slave to my schedule. I was a slave to my work ambitions, to my kids' activities. And in a lot of ways, I feel like I have been taken out of slavery, out of my Egypt, But now I almost feel like we're in a wilderness. And so my choices are to either learn from Israel and not grumble and say, Lord, where are you? I should have just gone back to where it was. Or I can trust that the Lord is going to continue that good work that he has begun, that he would not. I mean, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous that we would believe that God who has done so much for us, who has sustained us this far, is going to let something like a coronavirus stop stop the now. It, it doesn't make sense. It is absolutely delusional to think that God would do so much for us, that he would send his son to die for us, that he would sustain us, that he would care for us, only to lead us to the wilderness to die now. So what what he did with the Israelites is that he gave them manna. Despite their grumbling, despite their complaining and griping, the Lord had mercy on them and he gave them manna. And I want us to talk about, I'm calling it silver linings, but really it's manna. It's the same thing. It's those gifts that God has given us within the wilderness. And I'm going to break down our manna into three different categories. The first category of manna that I have received in these texts and emails from friends are the manna of family and friends. The second one that I've received is the manna of God himself. And the third third one is the manna of rest or the silver linings of rest that he has provided for us. So I want to dive right in and just start reading you some of the encouraging words that I have heard starting with our family and friends. Now, here's the thing. When the Israelites were in the desert, they were given manna, but it was manna to be used as a community. 
All right. So the manna, it had to be shared. Some people were in charge of gathering the manna. Some people were in charge of grinding the manna. Some people were in charge of baking the manna. They all had different roles and they had to work together. They had to be in unison together. All right. And so when we're thinking about manna, as far as our friends and our family, I just want to read you a few of the encouraging words that back up this notion of manna as far as family. All right. So my first one is from Erica and Erica writes, COVID-19 has taught me some things, and they aren't just negative. I am currently in grad school at Samford University in Birmingham. I am originally from Tampa, Florida, and that's where most of my family resides. After spending some time in prayer and counsel with others, I decided to stay in Birmingham. I was hesitant with this decision since I would be alone in my apartment and didn't want to ask others for help. My worry turned into peace as many of my friends from church and beyond offered their homes, walks, and Zoom calls so I wouldn't be lonely. It has also shown me how much I doubt God. I work as a student worker at my school. Before it shut down, I was talking to my boss about how if the school closes, then I would be without a job. I was automatically struck with anxiety, and my thoughts started to spiral. I almost canceled all of my spring break plans just to save money. Again, doubting God and his promise to always provide for me. On my trip, my boss emailed me that I was still going to get paid even though I'm not allowed to work. I would have never thought this was an option. There's truly nothing too big for our God, and that includes this virus. Now, I know that... This is, this is such a wonderful story, and Erica is a dear friend, but I know that that's not everybody's story. I know of plenty of people who have lost their jobs, who are not being paid right now. And so I think that we have to be sensitive to the, the different stories that people have that they are going through, the different circumstances. But I think ultimately the truth in all of this remains the same that the Lord is going to provide exactly what we need. He gives us that manna, that manna every day. Now, it may not be pretty. It may not be fun. But he's going to provide every step of the way for exactly what we need, no matter what circumstance he's calling you to go through right now. My next text comes from Kristen Hatton, and Kristen is a great friend of ours from Rooted. She is an incredible writer. If y'all are looking for some really good books over the break, then look up Kristen Hatton's books. She has one called FaceTime, one called Get Your Story Straight, and and I think actually she has a whole study on Exodus, so you might want to check that out. But Kristen wrote in and said, Since our family began adhering to a voluntary quarantine— Our nightly habit has become to sit down at the dining room table for a family game. Last night, it was Sorry, a game that we have not played since my children were little. At home now, I have 18- and 16-year-old sons. We are all super competitive and therefore keeping nightly tallies of whoever wins. But in the moments, the smile of the one who sent me back to start... The strategy I can see by the twinkle in his eye going on in the mind of the other. These are simple joys that we often miss in our busy lives of going different directions most every night of the week. 
Will my sons look back and feel sadness over not getting to finish their senior and sophomore years? Yes, but the time with our family, not just playing games, but the dinner table conversations is a silver lining to what is coronacation. Which, by the way, I've not heard that phrase yet, coronacation, but you are welcome to use that again. Give credit to Kristen Hatton for coronacation. This next one is a good one. It's from my friend Jenny. And Jenny said, After breakfast, the kids and I change clothes and head out for a walk. At first, I thought this was going to be great. Fresh air for everyone, a chance to wave at the neighbors from afar. But it quickly turned to tears. I mean, how many of us have been there? Jenny writes, They said, It's too far. You make us walk uphill. My legs hurt. So... I tried to change it up. Okay, let's walk until we see a black cat. Let's walk until we see a construction tool or a kid riding a bike, and then we can turn and go home. Our neighbors helped by putting up shamrocks and silly faces in their windows, and we make it into a scavenger hunt. I still carried that bike that I said I wouldn't carry and the baby all the way home. And they kept complaining and complaining and complaining. But when I asked them their favorite part of the day, they all said it was the family walks and the time that we spent together. I mean, isn't that true? It's so perfect. The things that we remember about something are not at all the version that our kids remember. I think about that in terms of all of the corona stuff too. That as adults, we have a very different view of things that we are going to remember out of this. But you know what our kids are going to remember? They're going to remember that this time was freaking awesome. That this time was the time that mom and dad were home and we got to hang out together and we had tons of meals together and we played played games all the time and uh, we're about to take our boys camping that we got to go camping with our parents, you know. Our kids are going to have a very different perspective, which is so comforting to me as a mom that they don't have to deal with the same level of seriousness that we have to struggle with when we turn on the news and we we subject ourselves to the fears that can set in. I like what Jenny said, too, about the how the neighbors came into play and how neighborhood did. Um, different things. And this was a neat one too. This one actually came from my own sister. And my sister said something similar. She said, I love that our community is stepping into this. She said, one neighborhood today decided to put teddy bears throughout the neighborhood, in the trees, in front of houses, and in various windows, so that families can walk through the neighborhood and try to find the teddy bears. How cool is that? What a great idea. I mean, y'all, those are things that are such silver linings. Communities would never have done stuff like that had we not gone through this kind of things. I read somewhere that in Italy, the children were all putting rainbows. They were painting pictures of rainbows and putting them in their windows just as a sign of life. But think about the rainbow. It's a promise. It's a promise from our Lord that he's not going to destroy us by water. He's, it's not. And so there's that promise that, that he is going to sustain us, that he is going to maintain us. And I, I just love that sense of hope 
that our communities are having as we're coming together through this. Another friend told me that her kids and their neighborhood kids have started doing pen pal notes. She said, I can't tell you how excited my kids have been when the doorbell rings to see if they, quote, got a letter. They have really enjoyed the walking delivery of the notes and have not complained about writing to friends. I mean, he did when I told him to do it in cursive, but... We also sent a few in the regular mail just for fun, too. Don't you love that sense of we're in this together? We may be far apart. We may not be able to see each other face to face. But how cool to teach our kids that there are other ways that we can keep in touch. And I just feel like I've said before on this podcast that I feel like letter writing is such a lost art. And how neat that we have the opportunity to show our kids the beauty and the the joy that it is when we get a letter and the privilege it is to give different letters too. That's so great. My next one comes from Mary and Mary says, every night our kids are writing in a journal. They are writing one thing they have never done before that they did today and one thing they might do tomorrow that they have never done before. Responses include things like complete my spelling with my left hand instead of my right hand. Or do yoga in the backyard, walk home from the track in the rain, or FaceTime a friend of mine. Yesterday, I took my daughter with me to the recycling bin, and after dropping off our plastics and cardboard, I suggested we go up to the empty church parking lot and practice driving. She loved it. It was her first time to be behind the wheel, and we just drove around in circles in the parking lot for about half an hour. That definitely went on her have never done before list. The last one that I want to share in terms of a family and community and thinking about the manas or the silver linings is from a dear friend of mine. She's actually been on my podcast before. She's a pediatrician here in town. Her name is Stacy. And Stacy wrote me this. She said, I think a silver lining is being able to reconnect with people with technology who are really important to me. I have some college roommates who I love dearly, but our busy lives get in the way. It has been a busy and stressful time as a doctor, but I have always looked to those people when things were confusing, so it's very cool to see how God is using them to help ground and love me right now. It is neat to think about making ourselves available to do that for others, even if it can only be done with technology. I think about that so true too. You know, oftentimes we sort of demonize technology. We talk about how much we hate it and we wish our kids would get off their phones and things like that. But holy moly, think about how technology has been such a gift. And to me, that's another little manna that God has provided for us that he has given us Zoom I mean, who knew that Zoom would be so important or FaceTime or, you know, it's just so cool to think about the ways that those little bitty nuances that God has provided for us, even when sometimes we think, oh, I hate this stuff. But actually, right now, it's pretty amazing. Now, the second form of manna or the silver linings that I want to talk about is the God manas. Now, When we go back to the story of the Israelites in the wilderness, they had to seek manna on a daily basis, all right? 
the manna that they collected yesterday was bad. It was rotten. It was no good. They couldn't use it. And so the Lord taught the Israelites that every single day they had to seek manna and that every day for that day, the Lord was going to give them the manna that they needed. He was going to provide that silver lining, that sense of hope for that day. And they had to trust that tomorrow he was going to show up again. And you know what? He always did. And how true we are in that place right now where every single day we have to rely on that manna for the Lord to provide. We have no idea what's coming day to day, how many more cases we're going to have, how many more jobs are going to be lost, what the stock market is doing. We have no idea what tomorrow holds. But for today, the Lord has given us this manna. So I want to share with you some of the, the sort of God stories that I have received over the last few weeks, all right? Now, the first one is from my friend Anna, and Anna said, I have loved getting to worship at home. I don't know about y'all, but our church has been having uh, church over Zoom. It's a small enough church that we can all be there, and it's really kind of cool, but I know that a lot of churches are live streaming their services. So Anna says, worshiping at home with our kids. There's something very touching about being in your PJs with coffee on your couch, hugging your five-year-old, and singing a hymn out loud with your immediate family. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I can just so put myself there because of the times that I have looked over at church and seen one of my children singing a song and really expressing their love and their joy and and praising our God. It is such a feeling that I I wish for every, every parent, every youth worker, every friend, every aunt, every uncle, I wish that you could have that experience of what it's like to truly sense your children or the children in your lives showing joy through worship. That's such a neat silver lining, and I'm so glad you shared that one, Anna. The next one I want to talk about is from Christy. And Christy said, I've learned a lot in a little over a week. I talk to my kids about death more than I ever thought that I would. There's a lot of worry and fear from the unknown about loved ones who might get sick. However, we have God. God. His grace is enough. He knows the troubled waters before we walk in them. He loves us. So I've prayed a lot. I've cried. And I've been outright scared. But there is a real silver lining from all of this. And that is, God is in our home. Since I've been in charge of what they learn, we do daily God-centered learning. I taught them science from God's view. Both kids learned books of the Bible We listen to Christian music. Kids are memorizing Bible verses. I hope that they see how the fear in me has calmed from prayer. We pray a lot. And I often share how God's love protects us and grows us. I thought about that too, Christy. It's so neat for those of us who have kids in a public school to be able to have the opportunity. Now listen, I am not a homeschooler. So let me just preface this with that. I am so not a homeschooler. So the thought of 
of actually homeschooling my kid is like terrifying, absolutely terrifying. All right. But if I'm going to homeschool my kids, how cool is it that I have an opportunity to teach them from the Lord's perspective? Like, we can talk about science as far as creation and not evolution. I get the opportunity. You know, they always say the first tracks are the deepest. And I think that that's so true for the information that we provide our kids. The first tracks are the deepest. And I, I want to be the one to lay the first track. I want to be the one to say, hey, you want to learn about creation? Let me tell you how it happened. That God created the universe, not a big bang. And I just love that that perspective shift that, yes, even though our, our talents are definitely going to be stretched as we start teaching our kids, how cool that we have that gift, that opportunity to teach them from a Christian perspective. Such a great idea. Another friend wrote in and said, you know, honestly, even though I'm in the midst of so much fear, chaos, and toilet paper hoarders, I feel I am at peace and rested. I often pray to God to give me good quality time. With work and activities, I find it hard to do it all and do it well. I've embraced the new challenges, and I'm so thankful to have more time at home and to be a family. A family who plays hard and loves harder to teach grace and forgiveness daily, to focus on what really matters, God, to show them how different the worldly perspectives are from what we believe, but to know how God, how good God's love is. This isn't at all how I would have planned quality family time, but God knows what we needed. A world more centered on love, grace, and kindness He always picks the storms to build on what is in real need of change. My prayer for the world to my prayer is for the world to reflect on what has happened and to see all the good that is occurring. When they look at that good, I pray that they know that it comes from God. I love that too. I love having that, that mindset shift that ultimately we have a heavenly father who is not just in control of everything that's happening. He's not surprised by any of these things, but he is good. And because God is good, he's only capable of doing good. And I say that over and over again because that was a message that was personally had to be imparted in me. And I feel like many years ago, I was taught that I didn't feel it. But I learned that God is good. And so even though we don't feel it all the time right now, we have to trust that he is only capable of doing good for us and that he is truly working all things together for good. And there's a real level of comfort that comes with that. The last category I want to to tackle today is the category of, of rest. And I think that's sort of been an underlying theme, even though it hasn't been specifically stated. But I do think that that's sort of an underlying theme of what a lot of us are feeling right now, that we are, we're able to experience more physical rest than we are used to. But my prayer is that we're also able to experience emotional and spiritual rest. I think that 
is interesting when we come back to the Israelites in the in the wilderness. And when the Lord was giving them manna for every day, he was really setting up for the Sabbath day. So even though they didn't have the Ten Commandments quite yet, really he was setting them up to have a day of rest. You see, he would give them manna for six days. And on that sixth day, and only on that sixth day, were they allowed to collect manna for that day and the next day. You see, he was providing for them that sense of, you need to take a day off. You need to take a rest. You need to have a break. And I'll be honest for me personally, as scary and as hard as this is, in some ways, this corona break, I don't know, can you call it a break, but this corona time has been sort of a relief to me. I think that I get very caught up in um, this the the minutiae of life and doing things and going places and what kid has got soccer practice today and what kid has got this and meetings, things like that. And I feel that sense of, of rest. Um, and I, I pray that we can experience that too in a, in a different sort of capacity too. I think that this is what Taylor was saying too um, when she sent me a text. Taylor's text about rest said this. She said, Yesterday, my husband wanted to get in the yard and do some things. Particularly, there's this weird random little shrub in the corner of our yard that we have always said we are going to take down one day. It was one of the things that got put on our COVID 2020 to-do list. How many of us, side note, how many of us actually created to-do list? Because I totally did. And I have done maybe two things on my to-do list and nothing else. So there's that. But Taylor continues, she said, my husband worked on that while my twin toddler boys alternated between playing in the sprinkler and chasing bubbles that I was blowing. After my husband was finished, we looked at and talked about the roots and what they do and where they are, why some are big and some are small. I love that we're getting more time that we are able to just feel accomplished, but also no pressure to just, we can be a family and let our kids explore. And we can finally observe God's creation. We can take a step back and we can look at roots and we can wonder about them and we can really slow down, which is something that we never would have done before. Also, a funny side note that Taylor says, she said, my husband always shovels up our dog's poop in the backyard before doing yard work. And her twin boys have their own plastic shovels are, and are helping him as we speak. Don't you wish that you had an image of two little toddler twin boys with their little plastic shovels trying to scoop up poop? Hilarious. Thank you so much for that, Taylor. That was really funny. I'm going to end on, on this one when it comes to rest. And this is the last one that I want to talk about today that a friend sent me. And I really like this. This is kind of long, so bear with me, okay? But the whole thing is really good. And she sent this to me. Somebody else sent it to her, and we have no idea who wrote it. So this is not an original piece, but it's really cool. This is a dialogue between society and God, all right? So I want to read you this dialogue back and forth, and we'll close with this. Society says, what about my plans? God My plans for you are always better than your own. Don't worry. I'm going to work all of this out for your good. 
society. We're not going to get anything done. God, that's the point. You know how to keep your wheels spinning, always moving, always doing, but never feeling satisfied. I've given you permission to stop. I've cleared your calendars for you. Your worth isn't tied to busyness or accomplishment. All you have to do is take care of each other. Society, what does all this mean? God, it means I am in control. It means you are human and I am God. It means I've given you a wonderful opportunity to be the light in a dark world. It means you are going to learn to rely on me. Society, what are we supposed to do when we can't leave our homes? God, rest. You are always so busy and overwhelmed, crying out to me, weary and exhausted. Can't you use a break from your fast-paced and overscheduled lives? Go ahead and rest. Pray. Love your families. Be still and spend time with me. Society. You mean we're supposed to stay home with our kids all day, every day? God. Yes. And you're going to be just fine. This time together is a rare gift. The rush of daily life has come to a halt. Play games, bake cookies, work on projects you've never had time for. Teach them kindness and grace. Show them how to endure difficult circumstances and steer them towards me. Society, we better start hoarding anything we can get our hands on. God, prevention, yes. Precaution, yes. Preparedness, yes. But after that, it's time to put the needs of others before your own. When you see someone in need, help them. Offer up what you have. Do not worry about tomorrow. Haven't I always taken care of you? Now, go take care of someone else. Society, why is this happening? God, to remind you that I am in control, to bring your attention back to me. I'm bringing you together as families and neighbors. I'm showing you patience and perseverance. I'm reminding you of your purpose and priorities. Now is the time to learn and teach your children what this life is really about. Society, we don't know who to believe. God, believe in me. Trust me. Ask me for wisdom, and I will surely give it. Society, we're scared. God, I've got this, and I'm with you. Y'all, it's been such a privilege to be with you for a few minutes, and I pray that you will also be able to focus in on the silver linings that you are seeing, the manna that you witness God God giving to you on a daily basis. And 
Now, I want to pose the same challenge to each one of you. I want to challenge you to find your people and to ask your people to just start a list of your manas, of your silver linings that y'all can email or text each other, send a Marco Polo, do something like that. Because I think we really need to, to remind each other and encourage each other. There's enough fear out there. Let's balance it with some truth and some light. And they don't have to be serious. They can be really silly and they can be funny and they can be stupid. And that's wonderful because sometimes, as that Jesus Calling said, you need to lighten up and laugh with me. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ask Alice, part of the Rooted Network family of podcasts. For more resources designed to equip and encourage you to faithfully disciple students towards lifelong faith in Jesus Christ, be sure to find Rooted on the internet at www.rootedministry.com.